If you have a Bible with you, uh, we will be in Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one under a seat somewhere in front of you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one before you leave. You just stop by the info desk on your way out, and uh, we would love to put one in your hands. But Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. If you find the book of Ephesians, if you don't know where to find Ephesians, table of contents is your friend. Right, don't be afraid to use it. Big number three, little number 14, where we're going to start here in just a minute. Um, I know there's some guests in the room this morning for various reasons, and so um, you are jumping, if this is your first time here or you haven't been here in a while, we are jumping in, or you are jumping in, in the middle of a series that we've titled Grace Made Visible, and, and really what we're doing is just going through the book of Ephesians. It's kind of, uh, we're, we're hitting sort of, finishing the halfway point this morning, okay? Uh, so we're going to close out chapter three this morning, but up to this point, everything that we've covered so far in the book of Ephesians, chapters one, two, and three, all of it has been about what God has done. Okay, so let me give you some reminders. These are all like things you find in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Paul wrote that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's chapter 1, verse 3. Okay, verses 4 and 5 says that he chose us and adopted us into his family. Okay, verse 7 of chapter 1. God has forgiven us of our trespasses. Right? Verses 7 and 8. He, he has lavished us and continues to lavish us in his grace, his unmerited favor Right, towards us. Okay, you get to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and again in verse 5, he talks about how even when we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, Christ made us, or God made us alive with Christ. Okay, so this is all stuff that God has done. And then last week we talked about how God has not only reconciled us to himself through Jesus, but he's also reconciled us horizontally with one another and created this uh, this diverse community of people from different, um, different races, ethnicities, cultural backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, political persuasions. He's reconciled us together into one diverse body. Okay? And it's through that diversity that God actually shows off his wisdom to the watching world. Okay? So that's everything we've covered this far. And it's all been things that these are things that God has done. Okay, so... Um, like, it should come as no surprise then as we kind of round out chapter 3. We're going to close the first half of the book of Ephesians this morning. Um, what Paul's going to do this morning is just point us back, remind us all over again that we are so dependent on God's work in us and through us. Okay, we are so dependent on him. And so if you are a type A, like, achiever, Okay, if like you need, like you thrive off of to-do lists, right? You thrive off of give me uh, these so many steps to like get this thing done. Okay, anybody? Like how many guys? That's you. All right, you're gonna be frustrated today. Just a heads up, okay? Because <laughs> today's text does not lend itself to here is a list of things for you to do. Okay, that's not. There are things you can do from our text this morning. I'll point those out. But this is not going to be like five easy steps to your best life ever. It's not what today's text is. Okay? So with that in mind, I would encourage you to come back next week because in chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul gets super practical. Okay? This morning, not super practical. But I'm still glad you're here. All right? So let's read it. I'm going to read the whole section together. And then we'll go back and unpack it a little bit. All right? Let's see here. Starting in verse 14 of chapter 3. 
Paul writes this. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, this is not going to be profound, but as I read it this week, when I got to that last line about forever and ever, amen, the only thing that came to my mind was the Travis Tritt song. Anybody remember that? Okay, all right. I got some, I got, some of y'all were raised on 90s country. I hear you. All right. Okay, sorry. That was not, that was not in my notes. Um, I, got, I got to get with it. All right. Here's, here's what I want to say. Let me, a couple of observations first from the text. First of all, uh, one, one of the things I love about this is it seems like this prayer, Paul was going to start it earlier. If you go back up to verse 1 in chapter 3, Paul starts with the same words. He says, for this reason, and then Paul just goes off on another tangent, right? Talking about something else he wanted to talk about, which I got to tell you gives me great comfort to know that even Paul gets distracted in prayer, okay? Right, that, that even Paul's not afraid to trace like a, a, chase a squirrel, okay? I've been known to do that from time to time, okay? I've got to stop, though, because the longer I preach, this water is not getting any warmer. Sorry, Chris, right? So anyways, okay, so, so that's that. That has nothing to do with the sermon other than I just take comfort in that, all right? More importantly, though, what, what is important for understanding this is that this is a prayer, right? This is Paul praying for the church in Ephesus, okay? So, so again, this is not Paul writing saying, hey, do this, don't do this, right? That'll come next week. So this is not Paul saying, uh, it's not, given, not Paul giving a list of commands, but this is what, what Paul's doing is he's writing to say, I'm asking God to do these things in you. That's what he's saying, Okay? And then for our purposes this morning, what's important is that, yes, these words were, were written and these, this prayer was kind of prayed for the church in Ephesus. In context, that's what Ephesians is. It's a letter to the church in Ephesus. But if you look at verse 18, Paul mentions that he is praying for all the saints. Okay, now he's talking about all the saints in Ephesus. But I would submit to you that the fact that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words and then preserve these words for us some 2,000 years later, I think it's fair to say that we are included, like we're an extension of all the saints that Paul mentions here in verse 18. Okay, so, so yes, the prayer for the Ephesians, but it's also a prayer for us. Right? Think about the Apostle Paul praying a prayer for you. Okay, so, so with that said, here's what I want to do. I want to highlight sort of the progression of Paul's prayer I just want to kind of give you like the skeleton of it, and then we're just going to move through that uh, as quickly as, as I can. All right, here's, here it is. Here's the progression. All right, Paul prays that we would be strengthened by the Spirit, 
in order to know the love of Christ so that we would be filled with the fullness of God, right? So that we would be strengthened by the Spirit in order to know the love of Christ so that we would be filled with the fullness of God. All right, so let's talk about the first one, being strengthened by the Spirit. Look at back at verse 14 again. Paul begins. He says, For this reason I bow my knees, so this is a prayer, before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So the fact that Paul is praying for us to be strengthened the implication there is that we are not as strong as we think we are. Okay, we have a lot of, we think pretty highly of ourselves sometimes, but the fact that Paul is saying, hey, I'm, I'm praying that you would be strengthened to understand these things implies that like we need help to understand this. We are dependent on God to understand this. Okay, and it's like, no matter how deep you dig, here's what Paul's saying, no matter how deep you dig sort of inside yourself, like you and I do not have what it takes to, to fully know, understand, comprehend, grasp the love of Christ, to be filled with the fullness of God. It's not some innate ability that we like tap into if we just try hard enough. Okay, so if this kind of strength is not really within us to comprehend, then we need to turn somewhere else to get it. Okay, and it says we, we turn here to the, the one who has unlimited strength. The one who's like never, like he has an unlimited supply of, of strength. And so we, we tap in to him, right? According to the riches of his glory. Like he has more than we could ever need. And that's where we find strength. But I want you to notice, what I really want you to see is how God strengthens his people. Okay, look at it again. It says that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Right? Here's what I don't want you to miss. The means that God uses to strengthen his people is the presence and power of his spirit. Okay? In other words, like what God, what God does to give strength to his people, what God gives to his people is himself. Okay? This is not God saying like, I've got this sort of supply of strength. I'm going to give it to you. You know, this is God saying, I'm giving you myself. I'm giving you my spirit to dwell within you. Okay. It's God himself dwelling within you as a believer in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Like that's where strength comes from. Okay. It's not, it's not God saying like, I'm going to give you what you need to dig down deep inside yourself and find the strength you need. It's God saying, no, I am going to be with you. I'm going to dwell inside of you enable you to comprehend, to know the love of Christ, to be filled with the fullness of God. Right? But, but listen, the end goal is not just that we would be strengthened. Okay, that's step one. Right? Paul prays that we would be strengthened by the Spirit, but the reason that we're strengthened is in order to know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. So let's look at it again. Back to verse 16. Paul says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Here it is. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith 
Okay, so notice he's still using language of like his presence with us, dwelling, living, residing within us, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, back to strength, and here's what we need strength for, to comprehend, to understand, to wrap our heads around what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now that feels like a lot, okay? Now we say things like, hey, Jesus loves you. We sing songs like, yes, Jesus loves me. Okay, as we should, there's nothing wrong with those things. But I wonder how often like we actually stop to think about the significance of what that means. That Jesus, the Savior of the world, actually loves us. Like it's not just some ethereal idea. Like we use the word love, we just kind of throw it around sometimes. You know what I mean? Like we say Jesus loves you, Jesus loves me. But then we also talk about like, I also love tacos. Okay? So like, I think that that word love like loses some of its weight sometimes. And so what I want you to see here is just the fact that Jesus actually loves you. Right? He, he loves you. And this is what Paul's trying to do here. He's trying to like help, help the Ephesians and by extension help us wrap our heads around the best that we can and we'll never do it fully. The love that Jesus has for us. Because okay? he uses this sort of measurements. He talks about the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Jesus' love. Okay, so, so let's just do this. All right, you think about the breadth, like width. I don't know what your translation says the breadth or width of Jesus' love. All right, this is kind of what we talked about last week. The fact that, that Jesus, like l- his love is not extended to a particular type of people. All right, if we're honest, isn't that most of us? Like most of us, like not because we try to like not be loving, but most of us, like when we think of who we love, we have a very specific small amount of people in mind, whether it's your family or maybe it's like some of your friends, okay? Right, maybe it's your favorite sports team. Right, we got Chiefs, 49ers. Who are we going for today? No. Neither? Okay. He's just a bitter Buffalo fan. That's all John is. Okay. Uh, I'm a Titans guy, so I don't really have a lot to say either. Um, anyways, like most of us, we think of like a very small, limited amount of people when we think of love. But here what we see is the breadth of Jesus' love. People from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every cultural background, Every language, like, like, every, like it's, it's wide. Right? The breadth of his love is, is unreal, right? He's not stingy or exclusive with who he loves, right? which is good news. Right? He, he, he doesn't just hold it for just this reserved little number of people. Right? He, he's not stingy and exclusive. And listen, there is no one, no one, who is beyond the reach of the love of Jesus. That's good news. Okay? But not only is this, talk about the breadth of his love, but the, the length of Jesus' love. Okay, we saw in Ephesians 1 that Paul wrote, uh, I think it's verses 4 and 5, right? That we're chosen, adopted. He talks about God loving us before the foundations of the world. And I, don't, I can't fully wrap my head around that. I'm not going to pretend to. Okay? But basically from eternity past, Jesus loves us. Okay, and then what we see in Ephesians 2 is Paul wrote that in the coming ages, 
That God might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So you've got eternity past love, eternity future love. Right? In other words, like Jesus' love is permanent. Like from eternity past, he loved you. Eternity future love. Okay, and some of us, like, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around that because some of us have been deeply wounded by someone who promised to love us or should have loved us, but for whatever reason decided they, they didn't want to extend love to us anymore. And what we have here in Jesus is this promise, right, that his love is, is long. It's not just a temporary phase that he's going to get over eventually when he realizes like how messed up you actually are. Okay? Like Jesus' love for you is not like other people's love. Like you try to put on your best face, right? Put, on, put your best foot forward. But eventually, like when you get found out, maybe some people move away. Jesus doesn't do that, right? As I've heard said before, he did not have buyer's remorse on the cross. He knew what he was buying. He knew who he was purchasing. He's not scared off by your mess. Okay? His love is long. Okay? Think about the height of Jesus' love. Right? Ephesians 2, he wrote that, Paul wrote that, that not only did Jesus like save us from our sin, okay, he also saved us a seat with him in the heavenly places. Right? So we think it would have been good enough for Jesus to just kind of like pull us out of the ditch and then just leave us there and go on his way. But no, he, yeah, he pulls us out of the ditch and then he seats us like next to him in heaven. We're like beggars that have been saved and got a seat reserved waiting for us at the king's table. Right? The height of Jesus' love for you. Okay? And then not only the height, think about the, the depth. This is what blows up. The depth of Jesus' love. Right? He, he doesn't wait for you he, he did, let me back up. He did not wait for you to get your act together. He did not wait for you to get all your ducks in a row. He, he did not wait for you to become some future, better, more uh, cleaned up version of yourself before he willingly stepped out of the perfection of heaven and stepped down into the brokenness of this world. Right? Wrapped himself in humanity to meet you and to meet me in the lowest places, in the depths of our sin and depravity, that's where Jesus saved us. All right, Jesus didn't wait for us to get everything going before he was like, now I'll save you. No, he, he low, deep, right, the depth of his love for you. Right, the, the, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. I mean, like, to comprehend, I, I can't comprehend that fully. We we'll spend the rest of our days trying to comprehend that and we're not going to wrap our minds around it. All right? And so Paul prays that by the Holy Spirit residing in us that we would just like try, man, that we would just try to wrap our heads around the love that Jesus has for us. But, but he also prays this in verse 19, that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, think about that. Like that's, that's like an oxymoron, right? 
I want you to know the love of Christ. Also, you'll never really know the love of Christ because it surpasses knowledge. Okay? Now, I, I think part of that can be explained, though. I think there's a, when Paul's talking about knowledge here, most of us, when we think knowledge, we think like facts, information. Uh, maybe that's just me because like that's my personality type. I'm a nerd and I love to learn and know stuff. All right, but, but I think what Paul has in mind here is something beyond just sort of like mental affirmation or intellectual assent. Okay, what, what Paul's talking about here is experiential knowledge. Right? I want you to know the love of Christ that, that surpasses. I want you to know the love of Christ in a way that, that goes beyond just knowing some facts about Jesus is what Paul's talking about. Okay, Here's like an example. I've used similar illustrations before, but it's one thing to know that there's so many thousand or million square miles in the Atlantic Ocean. It's one thing to know that, uh, that the winds and the patterns of the winds causes the waves, and that's why they crash against you when you're on the beach. It's one thing to know like how the moon and the earth and the sun affect the tides and it changes. It's one thing to know those things, okay? But it's another thing entirely to go walk out onto the beach and to look out. And all you see is just water everywhere, right? That's different than being like, well, the Atlantic Ocean has so many thousand square miles of it's a different thing to look and see water as far as you can see and to feel the waves crashing against your legs, right? To, to feel the, the undertow pulling the sand out from under your feet. I'm ready for vacation, man. <laughs> like it's one thing to like know those things factually, but to experience it for yourself is totally different. Right? And, and so it is with Christ's love. Right? It's one thing to read about the stories of Jesus in the pages of Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? And, and we should. You should read about those. You should know those. Right? And it's one thing to be able to kind of recite or articulate some facts about Jesus because you've memorized some of these stories. That's great. It's a wonderful thing. But it's another thing altogether to experience Jesus' love for you in a personal, powerful transformational way. Right? Those are two very different things. Okay? And, and, and I, think one of the, I think one of the dangers, one of the dangers of living in sort of Bible Belt cultural Christianity where there's a church on every corner is that we can have a lot of like the head knowledge of Jesus and who he is and what he's done and how much he loves us. We can say all the right things. We can recite all the right passages we can know it without having ever experienced that for ourselves in a personal, powerful, life-changing, transformational way. Amen. I think it's true. So, here's what I want to do. I want you to pause for just a minute. We've talked a lot about the love of Jesus. I want you to consider, for, for just however you're here this morning, Consider the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of his love. Both, both factual, like yes, it is a factual, it's true, but also at an experiential level. Okay, let me think about that. If you're a Christian, here's what I hope. That if nothing else this morning, that Jesus' love for you will, 
just fall on you in a fresh way this morning. Right? That, that you would be reminded. Like, like David prays in Psalm 51, that you would be uh, restored. The joy of your salvation would be restored. That you'd be renewed by being reminded of how much Jesus actually loves you. Like loves you as you are right now, however you came in here this morning. Okay? And then if you're here and, and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, what I want you to know is like that love is available to you this morning. And my hope is that you would leave here not with just a factual, intellectual knowledge of Jesus' love, but that you would leave here having experienced it in a deep, transformational way. Right? That's, that's what I hope. I hope that, that before you leave here this morning, that we'd be able to have a conversation about what it means to trust Jesus, to put your faith in him for the forgiveness of sin, for the hope of eternal life. Right? That's what I hope for you if you're not a Christian this morning. So, reorient us here a bit. Right, back in kind of the flow of Paul's argument, he, he prays one that we would be strengthened by the Spirit in order to know the love of Christ so that, verse 19, we would be filled with the fullness of God. Okay, I'll be, I'll be quick here because like I said, that water's not getting any warmer. Um, in short, here, here's kind of what Paul's praying. Basically, that, that we would be spiritually mature, to be filled with the fullness of God. Right? Kind of the idea there is just this idea of spiritual maturity. Okay? Or here's what one commentary uh, I read said it this way, and I can't really say it any better, so I'll give him credit. Uh, he says that Paul's praying for the Ephesians, and by extension for us, that we would be all that God wants us to be to be filled with the fullness of God. But here's the hard part about that. None of us get there on this side of eternity. Right? None of us on this side of eternity get to the point where we're like, you know what? I am totally filled with the fullness of God. There's nothing else for me to know or learn. I have arrived. Nobody gets there. Right? So to go back to my ocean reference, this is the best illustration uh, I, I could think of it's kind of adapted from something I read this week, but um, hopefully it works. If you stood ankle deep in the Atlantic Ocean with a tiny little jar, right, and you dip that jar down into the water, right, that jar would be filled with the fullness of the ocean. It would be filled to the top, all ocean water, right? Okay, but... You could stand there holding your little jar and you'd look out that ocean and there's still a whole lot more ocean out there. Right? Okay, and, and you could repeat that process minute after minute, day after day for the rest of your life and you would never fill your little jar with the fullness of God or with the fullness of the ocean, sorry. Mixed metaphors. Okay. And this is, this is how it is with God. Right? He is the ocean. You are the tiny little jar. So at any given moment, you, you can be filled with, with some of the fullness of God. Okay? But there will always be more for you to know. There will always be more for you to uncover. There will always be more for you to, to comprehend and understand and experience. Because, listen... There will always be more of the fullness of God for you to experience than you have the capacity to hold. Yeah. 
Right? That's why nobody arrives on this side of eternity. There will always be more for you to experience than you have the capacity to know or understand at any given moment. But listen, that doesn't mean that we just quit dipping the jar. Right? Here, here's actually the application this morning. Right? For us to know the love of Christ, to be filled with the fullness of God, is just that day by day, we just keep pursuing. Right? Through the ordinary means of grace. Right? Through the or- what I mean by that is just the things that he has outlined for us to do to know more of him. We just do those things. Long obedience in the same direction is how one author puts it. Okay? Very few times I try to read my Bible every morning. Okay? I've got a decent track record, not perfect. Very few mornings have I walked away been like profound, life-changing. Just very, I've just had very few experiences like that. Maybe I'm not doing it right. I don't know. But what I can say is that day after day after day of spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, of, of coming and communing with other fellow believers in the, the local gathering week after week after week, the cumulative effect of that on just how I've known and experienced and, and, and my limited understanding of, of God has grown exponentially. Just the cumulative effect of that. So if there's any application this morning, that, that's the application for us to know the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God is just to continue in the ordinary means of grace that he's given to us, to get in the word, to spend time in prayer, to be encouraged and built up by others in the context of the local church. Right? And, and every day, we do that over time, every day we experience a little more of the fullness of God, knowing that, that on this side of eternity, we'll only see in part, like we'll never see in full. But one day, one day, we will see, we will know, we will experience the fullness of God. We will experience and, and, and be able to, on that day, comprehend the fullness of the love that Christ has for us when we stand in front of him. Right? So that's why we keep dipping the jar day after day after day. Okay, Now, maybe all of this, you hear in all this, and you're like, this feels unattainable, impossible. Right? To, to know the the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love, to know his love that's unknowable, to be filled with the fullness of God. Like that feels so far out there. That feels impossible to me. And if that's how you feel, good. Because it is impossible for you. That's what Paul's praying this, right? He's praying that you would be strengthened in order to do this. So if you're just like, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the power or the ability to do this. No, you don't. You're right, but, but look at verse 20. Look at this is the God we pray to. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. All right, so to circle back to kind of the warning I gave you at the beginning, the point here this morning is not here are three things we can do to know Christ's love and to experience the fullness of God. The point this morning is that there are, like, these are things that God does in us by the power of his spirit. The only thing you and I do to make these impossibilities a reality is to, 
is to ask him to do it and to continue in the means, like I just said, that he's given us. Okay? To ask the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think or imagine or whatever your translation says. Right? We, just, we ask him, do this in me. Okay? And so we're going to pray that here in just a moment. But as I kind of read through this this week, one of the things that struck me is how Paul prayed. Like he just prays differently than most of us do. Prays differently than I do. I know that. Okay. When I think about how I pray, I want you to just think about how you pray. Most of us, if we're honest, we pray for mostly temporal things. Health financial stability, provision. Uh, if you speak the Christian lingo, you've, pro- lingo, you've probably heard of uh, praying for hedges of protection, right? Apparently boxwoods. Or... It's biblical. It's a biblical reference. That was unnecessary. Hedge of protection or traveling mercies. Like We, we pray for like temporal things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for temporal things. We just read the Lord's Prayer where he's like praying for our daily needs. Right? So there is a we should pray for these temporary things. But I think Paul would encourage us to, what he's hopefully encouraged us to through his text this morning is to pray for things that that are far, like extend into eternity. Not just for things that are here and near, but but things that, that are of eternal significance. That we would know the love of Christ that we would experience the fullness of God. So here's how we're going to sort of land the plane this morning. Is I'm just going to pray for us, pray over you, pray over myself, these things that Paul, Paul prays for us. Okay, we're just going to pray. Right? I, I can't, think of, can't think of a better way for us to respond to God's word than just pray exactly what was prayed in God's word. So I'm going to pray that for us. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to worship. Uh, And then we're going to celebrate the outward, visible, tangible uh, representation of God's work within us through baptisms. All right? And I'm excited about it. So, here we go. I invite you to pray. Pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Um, Father, grateful for the promise that it, it does not return void. And so, Father, I pray right now that even as imperfectly as I have tried to articulate it, that your spirit would cover up my mistakes, that your cover would, or that your spirit would cover up my misspeaking, and that you would apply your word to the hearts of these people. Lord, that we would be strengthened by your spirit. That's what Paul prays. That's what we pray, that that we would be strengthened by your spirit so that we might better understand, know, comprehend, try to wrap our heads around the love that Jesus has for us. For those here this morning that are Christians, that have trusted in the offer of salvation that's extended through Jesus, I, I pray that you would remind them of the great love that Christ has for them, that you have for them through Christ. Lord, maybe there's some here this morning that have never experienced that love in a personal way. I pray that they would. I pray that 
that today, maybe something that's been said or maybe just by seeing the act of baptism here in just a moment, I pray that a seed would be planted, that they would respond in faith, that they would believe the good news of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life. So I pray that we would know the, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And then, Father, I pray that, that we would experience the fullness of who you are. And, Lord, we know that we'll never experience the, totally experience the fullness of who you are on this side of eternity, but I, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would, Lord, you would encourage us, your people, to just follow the ordinary means of grace that you've given us. Your word, prayer, fellowship with the saints, and that you would use those things to grow our understanding of who you are, of all that you've done. Lord, that we would we'd be filled with more and more of the fullness of you. Father, we love you. We praise you, and we ask you to do all these things. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.